Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks... Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, Mel. Bri here. Gotta work from home today because the whole family caught a nasty. Daddy! Hey, Mikey! If you're gonna puke, find the popcorn bowl! But my availability is 110%. Coincidentally, so is my fever. <laughs> Kidding. Mel, I'm so cold but hot. Uh, but I'm going to get you that budget. Just as soon as... Right. Mikey! Popcorn bowl! Press 1 to use Instacart and get your family's sick day essentials delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. Press 2 to keep working. Do not press 2. Just use Instacart. Brian. Welcome to Upfront Down Under. I'm Clay Morgan. And I'm Regula Sullivan. The co-hosts are through and my God, that was bloody hairy. Uh, We were worried they'd be kicked out of their own party too early, like I have been before. Uh, But Australia go through as group winners after smashing Canada. Japan also showed why they're one of the tournament's favourites by sticking four, just the four, past Spain. At least Alexia Pateas got a run out, I suppose. That's the only, you know, silver lining to that absolute shitstorm. Plus, Ireland to get their first World Cup point. Congratulations, Rach. Uh, and Germany suffer the shock of the tournament. Plus, who is going to fill in for the midfield maestro, Kira Walsh, where England take on China tomorrow. We're all excited for that game. Uh, a reminder, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We are at upfront underscore pod. It's been an absolute whirlwind of a few days. Rachel, you know, you keep saying that you're really, you know, inundated with work. You're flying here, there and everywhere. And then I turn on my Twitter feed and what do I see? You doing an Irish jig in a pub looking a little bit smashed. And I'm starting to, you know, doubt smashed. this kind of work ethic that you say that you and you and, uh, you and that Safe was work. have. Yeah. That's called content. So, um, just an explanation, That's really. That's called content. 
what was yeah. going on. Oh, content. And I'm not, it was I'm not content. smashed. I'm having my first yeah, glass yeah. of wine yeah, here yeah, tonight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you can roll that back. Um, oh, what, what are we drinking? I've obviously what, got a Chardonnay, obviously, an Australian <laughs> Chardonnay. Um, I can't say the brand, but mm. it is related to committing um, felonies of sorts. Mm. There's a number of them. Felonies. Less than, twi- less than nice. 20. How many felonies? More than 18. Mm. There you are right, now. But more than 18. Cheers, cheers. Nice, nice, What are you, nice. What are you drinking you tonight? There. Nice. Uh, I'm drinking... I've got Cooper's Brewery, original I mean, I thought we weren't naming ale. brands. Well done. Um, yeah, organic. Give us more detail. Where is oh, it made and what oh was God, the name? Right. When yeah, was it made? Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> it was fermented in... Anyway, there's too much. There's too much. There's too much World Cup nonsense to go on about fermented beer. Right. Australia beating Canada 4-0. I wasn't expecting this game to go like that. I mean, we knew that Australia had a job in their hands and we knew that they'd be scared as the tournament or one of the tournament hosts being knocked out at the group stages is not a good look on anybody. But I wasn't expecting in the ninth minute for Hayley Rasso to go and score an absolute screamer on the edge of the box. The ball rocketed into the bottom left-hand corner, went for about 10 bodies. I mean, keeper had no chance. I mean... This is not ideal for Canada. This doesn't look great. Um, Olympic champions, reigning Olympic champions. It's the first time ever that a reigning Olympic champion has been kicked out in the group stages. Bev Priestman, in the post-match interview, seemed weirdly positive about the performance. Um, I mean, Rach, what are you taking away from this? Because to be honest, I was expecting more from them, but Bev seems to be fairly happy with exiting at the earliest possible opportunity. Sounds like Bev got confused with the scoreline as well. Um, I, I, I feel like <laughs> I feel like Canada have just slowly gotten worse as the tournament went on. Like I appreciate that they beat Ireland, but they were not at the races in the first half of that match, um, and it seems like they weren't at the races again today. Like looking back at the highlights, because obviously I was at the Ireland Nigeria match. Like the defense just looks so static and stationary while Australia are attacking. Um, it just kind of. I'm not going to say half-arsed because no athlete is ever half-arsed. Um, but it just looked that kind of static, really unusual. You know, we're used to Canada being quite difficult to break down. Um, and they just just weren't there. But also, like, credit to Australia because they looked nervous in the first match. They looked shell-shocked getting beaten in the second. And suddenly all the pressure was on. All the talk was about Sam. You know, they knew that it was vital for this the success of this World Cup going forward that they continued through from the group stages. So fair fucks to them to be able to manage that pressure and to come out and not only perform, but perform like that and absolutely put to bed the Olympic champions um, was really, really impressive. Hayley Rasso as well, getting two goals. Mary Fowler, well, she got she got one, but she had it in the back of the net twice. Um, some performance. And, and I loved all the mind games with Sam Kerr. I don't think she was ever going to come on unless the scoreline was reversed. <laughs> um, I didn't think we were going to see her on, but I'm sure it put the, the Frighteners on, on Canada and it seemed like it did. I think it felt like an Australia who wanted to achieve something, not only for the country, but for Sam. Sam Sam seemed like she was in completely different spirits. When you, you know, you go to the first game, she's in tears. She's like hugging her teammates. Everyone of the post-match is really deflated, really depressed, thinking, you know, Sam's out of the tournament. We just don't know what's going on. Switch to, what, almost a week later, Sam's laughing and joking on the subspence. There was one point I thought she was coming on. I mean, she started um, taking off like the um, the strapping and stuff around her, around her calf and then throwing it in someone's face. And they're all laughing on the bench. I mean, you would be a 3-0 up. I mean, yeah, you'd be absolutely having a jolly. You'd probably be popping open the champagne. But it did feel like uh, a much lighter uh, side than we have been used to seeing, obviously, in the last two games. So credit to them because they had a lot, 
a lot to do today and against the reigning champions you know it wasn't so long ago like last year that you know Canada won the CONCACAF I was uh, that uh, that always that that pronunciation of that always gets me um but yeah this is no mean feat so congratulations to Australia for progressing and holding on to the hopes of their country for another round um yeah on a sad note we are going to see Canada exit this will be you know the first top 10 FIFA ranked team to be leaving the World Cup this wasn't expected but do you think maybe that's just because Nigeria have been so bloody unexpectedly strong in this tournament. They've caused upset after upset in the group stages. Is it Canada underperforming or actually is it the fact that Nigeria have just absolutely beasted the last week and a half? I'm not letting Canada away with that. Canada have underperformed, um, absolutely. Um, (laughs) But equally, like, well, this has been a tough group as well, right? So someone was going to have to go out, two teams were going to have to go out, and that meant there was going to be a big name going out of this group, whoever it was. Um, So you kind of have to balance it a bit with that. I mean, yeah, you can say they've had all this other stuff going on off the pitch as well. You have to take that into consideration. But I just don't think players really stepped up or played particularly well. Um, You know, Katisha Buchanan looked shaky today. She struggled today. She just didn't look at the race. I keep saying at the races. It's this bloody horse analogy. I said it once and now it's like ingrained in my head. Um, But they just didn't look with it. Do you know what I mean? No, we're not. No, we'll move Mm -hmm. on from that. But they just kind of, they didn't look with it um, or sharp enough. I don't know, um, which is a shame because these are world-class players. Um, So yeah, I I do think they have underperformed. um, And maybe there is an element of the fact that there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes for them. Uh, but yeah, this this was always going to be a difficult group. We were always going to be looking at a name, going home thinking, I can't believe they're going home. Well, talking of names who will be going home, who will be severely disappointed, uh, Christine Sinclair was unable, unable to become the first player to score at six World Cups. Um, I mean, she's 40 years old. I'm going to take a big old assumption that this will be the last of the World Cups for her. Um, I mean, Rach, any kind of um, sort of personal memories or highlights of, of her career? So we can kind of end on, a, end on a bit of a high for Canada, sort of reminiscing about one of the legends of the game. I mean, I can't think of anything specific. I mean, she's one of those players that when you get to see play live, you like you finally get to see that player play live. That's always a special, special thing. There's, there's like I had that with um, Marta. Um, I think the World Cup is the first time I saw her play live. Like, there's players like that where you're kind of like just really excited to actually see them do their thing. Um, and she was probably one of the earlier ones when we started Girls on the Ball to be able to see her um, play live. She'd have been one of the names you knew. Um, so yeah, I think it is it is pretty special. Like I do wonder the way football's going and the way it's becoming like more and more professionalized. It's a professional game now. Are we going to see more players that will be able to reach that age or will we see less? I'm really intrigued to see how it goes. Like do we think they'll be playing more football so their their careers won't be as long or they have access to the right facilities now so the longevity we'll see more longevity across careers across the game. It's hard to know, you know, will we see another player at that age at a World Cup? Oh, that's a that's a very deep question to be posing at twenty past eleven. Um, <laughs> but yeah, definitely something to definitely something to ponder on there, listeners. Let us know your thoughts on that. Do you think that actually the the older generation of players, this what should we say, thirty four, thirty five plus, will sort of peter out and we'll just see the tournaments getting younger and younger? I mean, probably when you look at the likes of Casido, but we will touch on that in a second. Right, second up, Japan four nil, Spain. What? the hell happened Spain 
I have been absolutely lauding my... I've been living my best life with Spain. I was like, yeah, absolutely. Tournament contenders. They're going to be in the final. They've been so strong. They've looked so poetic, so fluid. And I wasn't expecting that, given all the issues that have been going on with Jorge Vilda. But going into this game, they hadn't conceded any goals at all. So there was only a handful of teams that hadn't conceded. So it was England, Jamaica, China, Spain, who hadn't conceded any goals. And yet, 90 minutes later... Spain were down four goals. I mean, just didn't come out of the blocks. I mean, Japan looked like an absolute powerhouse. I feel like Japan have kind of gone a little bit under the radar this competition. The big focus has been around your sort of Spain's, your Germany's, um, the Lionesses to some extent, but a little bit flatter now. But I feel like Japan... Ha- Japan? <laughs> <laughs> so that mixture of Japan and Spain. <laughs> Japan... Just walked away with this. They outclassed Spain on every single level. I mean, they tore through the defence like it didn't even exist. Uh, you know, Miyazawa, you know, in the 12th minute, in the 40th minute. I mean, and then at the end, very at the end of the very of the game, when you think, oh, okay, well, you know, three goals is enough. Tanaka, 82nd minute. I mean, what are you thinking about Japan? Do you think they are now up there? With it? I mean, they're always kind of one of the favourites, but do you think they have a serious chance of winning this thing now? Well, what I think is funny is that people were talking about Spain but not talking about Japan. And they had played, they both played the same mm-hmm. opposition and comfortably beaten both teams. Um, and, I, you know, we were kind of saying, oh, well, it is Zambia or it is Costa Rica when we were talking about Japan, but didn't seem to say, I was saying about Spain, yeah, but we want to see them tested against, you know, better teams. Let's, let's see that before, you know, we start making these judgments. Oh, you did say that. Um, yeah, yeah. I think what's, what's really interesting is... Japan, obviously, you know, have serious pedigree in this game. They won the World Cup in 2011, reached the final in 2015. Um, They were the team that knocked England out in 2015, if people remember the um, heartbreaking own goal by Laura Bassett in injury time. Um, You know, Mm. but then I feel like since then, Japan have kind of plateaued. And I think they went through one of the longest transitions it seemed they were going through a transitional period for a very very long time um England uh beat them in the 2019 World Cup quite comfortably um and they just almost seemed to lose their teeth a little bit um and they've a very young squad now but my god is it full of talent like frighteningly full of talent um I would have loved to have seen the full game today because I would have loved to see the matchup of those two different styles of football but looking at the highlights they just cut through them like butter straight down the middle the defense were so high (laughs) and they just didn't adapt or react and we've seen that quite a few times in this tournament where where teams aren't adapting to their opposition style of play um and that seemed to happen with Spain today they were they were flooding forward obviously had a huge amount of possession as they often do and we've said this about Spain before possession's great and all but if you're not putting the ball in the back of the net it means nothing and and today was a really good example of that because they'd, they'd come up so high their full backs and their their centre backs were so high that Japan were just capture, catching them every time um, and that last goal like <laughs> when you watch the highlight back for a good portion of the highlight there's one Japanese player with the ball and five Spanish players in that half coming back after her and she still scores a ridiculous goal. Like, it's just, yeah, I'd be worried about Japan, uh, definitely. It's that, it's that they weren't sloppy finishes. These weren't like, you know, scrambling in the goal mouth or like trying to achieve something from the game. These were slick, efficient 
finishes. I mean, keeper had absolutely no chance. And I think the majority of the goals, they were it was like one one Japanese player at every time against three or four Spanish defenders and still and they were still getting through, which I think for me, if I'm now looking at Spain like further on in the competition, I'm using that as a template because they just didn't know how to pick apart what Japan were doing in the slightest. But I think that's the thing with the World Cup, isn't it? Where you have teams who very rarely get the opportunity to play each other. So whilst they might have all this footage, actually when you're on the pitch how do you problem solve like Spain it did not know how to do that which I think was um, you know really interesting to see I think it was very similar for the the USA game I mean the USA should have been sort of you know fairly easily walking away with the points and actually they couldn't find a way to kind of problem solve on the pitch at that time it caused them a lot of difficulties so yeah there's a lot of really fascinating teams and the styles of play and how how the teams match up but yeah if I was Spain I'd be feeling pretty bloody worried about that I mean I know they're already through to the second stage but you should be wanting to go through as the group leaders and I just did not see any of that at all I don't know whether it was complacency or they felt their job was done or maybe felt that actually you know just getting or through was their, their ambition yeah or the management yeah either way but not good enough Spain and now I feel like, you know, you're dropping down, you're dropping down, you're up there in my estimation, Spain, and now you've dropped down. So, you know, once you're down there, it's hard to come back up. <laughs> Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, Mel. Bri here. Gotta work from home today because the whole family caught a nasty... Daddy! Hey, Mikey! If you're gonna puke, find the popcorn bowl! But my availability is 110%. Coincidentally, so is my fever. <laughs> Kidding. Mel, I'm so cold but hot. Uh, but I'm going to get you that budget. Just as soon as... Right. Mikey! Popcorn bowl! Press 1 to use Instacart and get your family's sick day essentials delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. Press 2 to keep working. Do not press 2. Just use Instacart. Brian. Anyway... Onto your favourite team. Obviously, they've been knocked out of the World Cup, but they did make history. Rach, what happened? Tell me, what happened to this Ireland-Nigeria game? Go on, I'll let you, I'll let you reveal the lie. details. It wasn't the most exciting match, okay? It was nil-nil. <laughs> was um, it not? <laughs> and do you know what? Like, the longer the game went... So they had Ireland had chances in the first half, and I, I was thinking to myself, this is the tournament of Ireland not taking their chances. Um, and I mm-hmm. just prayed that it wasn't going to come back and bite them. Now, Oshawala cut through the Irish defence a couple of times she split the centre-backs um, and only for her finishing uh, did she not put them ahead I think she had two shots on target in the first half but very dangerous you know those moments where the ball breaks through and everyone goes whoa like you know <laughs> the defenders are like scrambling <laughs> to get back um, so she had a couple of those but Ireland did have chances in the first half they just didn't really make them count and it just reminded me a little bit of the Canada first half except in the Canada first half they were playing bloody brilliant football um, but they were good they had more possession um, in the game in the first half especially um, and the longer the game kind of carried on the more we thought oh this is going to go to um, a draw and I think maybe Nigeria knowing the score in the other game probably also wanted to protect 
their players. They took Oshawala off. Um, so <clears throat> I think there was an element of that as well. Um, so yeah, there was, <sighs> Courtney Brosnan made an absolutely unbelievable save towards the end of the second half. The ball kind of bounced down in front of her. She dived across, got a glove to it and tipped it up onto the crossbar and out. And like she made a couple of other saves, but that one was a real absolute cracker. Um, and she won player of the match and it was lovely because the whole team were in their huddle post-game. Um, and that's when the, the comms announced that she'd won player of the match. And it was like, it was like they'd won a trophy. The whole team were like bouncing around her and spraying water on her and everything. Um, but yeah, look... It was great. It was great for them to get a point. They deserved something out of the t- t- the tournament to come away with something. Um, and they got a clean sheet as well, which is brilliant. But interesting kind of post-match situation where I don't know whether the wheels are coming off a bit or, or players are less worried about staying within the ranks. Um, but apparently Vera Pau said that Katie McCabe had asked her to take off Sinead Farrelly at 70 minutes. She was asking for fresh legs. And Pau said she ignored the request because I am the coach and Farrelly was the best player on the pitch at the time. Tasty. And then Katie McCabe tweeted an emoji with a zip across the mouth. So I am intrigued now over the next couple of weeks and months. She's so provocative on and off the pitch. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. Vera Pau calling out a player like that in a press conference There's absolutely no need for that. What's that got to do with anything? There's There's no need. Like yesterday, she was saying how they needed to go out and play for FIFA. They needed to go and win for FIFA. And everyone in the press conference is like... What are you talking about? Who the fuck wants to go out and play for FIFA? What, what have FIFA done? Like, Sorry? do you know what I mean? Ireland have got themselves to this major tournament. Anyway, very odd, very odd. And there was a kerfuffle today about who was going to go first at the press conference. That took an age. There was a <laughs> whole two press officers were going at it. Honestly, like, so <laughs> there was questions about her contract at the press conference beforehand as well. And that got awkward. So, yeah, I, I'm intrigued now to see what comes out post-tournament. But whatever happens, I think... The girls can go home with their heads held high. I think there's going to be uh, a bit of a, a like a, a gathering for them. A I think at Mansion House. Or, do you reckon? Yeah, 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 hundred percent. Okay, all right. Let's. I mean, Ireland. I think have been one of those. They've been unlucky. The first two games, I think they put in an absolute shift. Some worldy goals. I mean, I that Katie McCabe corner will forever live in my mind, rent free. But like, Rach, what's been your favourite memory of the tournament? Watching Ireland in the group stages for their first World Cup. I mean, what's a, what's been an absolute highlight for you? Um, it was probably the first game when the flag was unfurled and, and uh, we sang the anthem. Um, that was pretty special. And like, it, it's been so great that they've turned up and, and they've looked at home on the world stage. They've not looked out of place. They've given every team a run for their money. Um, they've made sure that like, what's great as well as the fans talking about the next time, the next tournament, when we go again. And I actually think going home hurt and thinking we should have had more is probably better for them in how it's going to drive them to get to a major tournament again because they know they belong. So it's hard to pick one highlight, but it's it's probably going to be the anthem for the first time. Love that, mate. Absolutely love that. Well, congratulations, Ireland, on a very well-fought and very hard-fought tournament. Unlucky to be going out, but I think the performances, like you said, I mean, I'm completely unbiased on it. You know how I feel. You know how I feel about the Lionesses <laughs> and where my allegiances are, but Ireland have put in a shift, and I think, yeah, they were unlucky not to not to get more from it. But like you said, they're going to be in it again. So, you know, it's only their first, it's only their first chance. Only their first chance. Right. The next game. The next game. Where do you start? 
where do you start with this? I mean, if anyone had talked to you sort of two, three weeks ago, they said, obviously, the, the Germany-Colombia fixture, I'd have been thinking, Germany, this is this is a chance for Alex Pop to be picking up those those um, those goals. She's going to be racing up the gun of uh, the, the golden boot category. This is where it's going to come. That would have been my naive thinking about two weeks ago. What we actually saw was Colombia take apart a powerhouse. Two, one. Who did it? Casido. I mean... Linda, mate, what on earth? I mean, that first goal, second half, it was so evenly matched in the first half, but the, the, the second half, Colombia stepped it up another gear. I mean, we love Casido anyway. She just, every single time we see her play, there's more and more fans getting behind them. I mean, Colombia had a small contingent out here, and now all I see is wave after wave of, like, yellow, blue, red shirts everywhere, like, people getting really behind the squad, and I absolutely love it. Um, yeah, I mean, her goal, it was like a, a solo effort, sort of drifting into the box, cut inside she'd already gone through about three or four German players and then had this beautiful absolutely beautiful curling shot taking it part frames had no chance absolutely no chance and the crowd they took the roof off of the Sydney Stadium took the roof off it exploded like one of the biggest moments in the tournament um yeah Rach what were your, what were your thoughts because I was stunned I was absolutely stunned by that Columbia wow that goal was absolutely filthy. The footwork where she goes one-two, <laughs> like she literally goes one-two between two defenders and turns them and just whips that ball into the far corner. For an 18-year-old, we spoke about it on the last episode and about um, her battle with cancer um, when she was 15 or so years old. And she's not long out of that battle. And there was a real worrying moment, um, I think it was last week, when she collapsed in training and she had to be rushed to hospital and she was unconscious, apparently. Um and they were like, oh, it's just the, the stress and the fatigue of the tournament. She scores that goal. And then in the second half, there was a point where she kind of went down on her knees at, at, in the game. I don't know if you saw that, kind of holding her chest. And it was a bit like, oh, my God. Um, and a bit of an unusual decision, I thought, to keep her on. Um, but obviously, they know more than we do. So we had that goal. And this was one that I was watching <laughs> while I was meant to be having dinner with people. Um, so we were, I had an eye on that. But we got the last kind of maybe... 10, 15 minutes or so, you know, at the end of dinner, waiting for the Uber, in the back of the Uber, we saw the Germany equaliser and we were a bit like, okay. And Germany seemed a bit like, okay, that's done now. We've got the equaliser. They almost seemed a bit like, they were happy with that. They were a bit like, okay, that's mm -hmm. the end of the game now. We don't, it was what, 89th minute or something, was it? That they get the equaliser. <laughs> yeah, it was. And they just, they just seemed real like, phew, that's it. We've got the point now. We don't need to worry. So then you come into the... Six, six plus minutes of extra time. Colombia get a corner. You know, Caicedo had already gotten the goal ahead. Germany, Germany's there going, oh, we're grand, like we've got this draw now. And <laughs> perfect cross comes in from the corner. <laughs> and up pops their defender, who nobody's marking. She kind of floats in the air for a couple of seconds. And she just has this perfectly pinpoint header into the bottom corner of the goal. And... Literally, I mean, they already blew the roof off. So the, all the walls fell down. I don't know what happened, but the place literally just... And we were in the back of the cab. This poor cab driver didn't know what we were watching. And we'd be doing the, the <laughs> oohs and the ahs. And they were like, oh my God. Ah! Like, <laughs> and as, as I left my Uber, I was like, please don't score me down. I'm really sorry. We were just watching the football. And he was like, no, it's okay. I was enjoying it. So what a way to watch it. 
I think the worst thing about that last goal is that it was so pop-esque. That header was like a good two fingers up to what pop should have been doing for that entire game. And I think when you look at like the second half, I mean, Colombia were obviously getting tired towards the back end of that second half. They were giving away sloppy fouls sort of in the final third in dangerous areas. And I was thinking they're going to convert at some point. I mean, I think pop had the first uh, crack at a free kick just on the edge of the box. Um, Completely skied it. I mean, completely skied it. It looked like Ragas Rovers United type vibes. It just went off into the crowd, and everyone was like, "Well, that's that's that was a chance," and she's absolutely fluffed her lines. <laughs> and then there was a second free kick. I think probably about three or four minutes later. Um, and again, same thing, straight directly at the wall, and it just looked like Germany were just it wasn't going to be their day. And then as soon as that penalty happened, I just really felt for the keeper. She'd done the right thing. She'd come out. It was a little bit late. The timing was off. Like it happened. But then I thought, okay, well, like this is Germany wrapped up. They're going to get at least a point out of it. If not, probably get like another point, and then it's going to look like a normal, a normal result. But that header, I just, um, I just, uh, I mean, the group chat on the Athletic, it just, uh, I just, I exploded, absolutely exploded. Um, they're just, they're just like they've become one of the tournament favourites out of this, and no one saw it coming. And I just, I love to see them play. Um, so yeah, I mean, Germany take on South Korea in the last game of the group stages on Thursday. Colombia take on Morocco. Colombia now only need a point to top the table to go into the fight into the round of 16 which is absolutely crazy but i can see them taking all nine points i think i've got group h game in the next round as well which i'm very excited about because i think it's the winner of group h which is them jesus i mean it's just wild that we're still in a situation now we don't know until thursday whether germany will be progressing into the round of 16 that's wild. how we do yeah to me Uh, they will yeah it's wild Anno, um, Anno, they, yeah. they will, yeah. I mean, they could not. That's right. It's very well. It would be amazing, though. I mean, if we knocked out Germany in the group stages, I mean, it only gives the lionesses more chance. So, do you know what I mean? Like, I'm all, I'm all <laughs> for kind of like, I don't know, yeah, Morocco. Well, actually, you know, if Mor- if Morocco would have to beat Colombia, which I don't want to happen as well, and then Germany would have to not win against South Korea. Do you know who the winner of Group H gets? The runner-up of Group F, which is France, Brazil, Jamaica group. So I'm going to get to see potentially Colombia against, like, Brazil. Could you imagine? That would be a a feisty, ridiculous game. Um, the music, yeah, the I mean, dance this is beforehand, f- the vibes. Oh, it'd be amazing. The vibes? <laughs> I mean, we need to get some more alcohol, to be fair, to start watching these games. We need to rotate and obviously advise listeners. Actually, listeners, please advise us, especially those living in Australia who have a valid opinion on the subject. What are the best wines, pale ales, spirits that we should be drinking for the remainder of the tournament? We'd love your recommendations. Please send them to us. Um, We will obviously try and get through as many bottles as we can uh, in the time that we have left. We dedicate ourselves to you, all right? We go above and beyond with every episode. Right, now to tomorrow, okay? England, China. We're still not through through, but we're pretty much through. So we definitely need at least a draw in this game. Uh, So the pressure's slightly off, but also kind of on because we are missing Kira Walsh. 
I mean, word on the camp was we had the press conference uh, this evening uh, with Georgia Stanway and obviously Serena. Um, Serena keeping very, very tight-lipped about what was going on with Kira Walsh. Obviously, the only thing that she says is it's not an ACL and obviously she's going to be ruled out of the game against China. Wouldn't give us any indication about who might be she's out fitting in. Well, that is that is what we most likely think, but we there's all know. no Come on. confirmation. So we can't scaremonger no. until we have the facts because it, you know... We're not scaremongering, but it's... It looks pretty serious. Unless they buy her a new knee. Like, I think, basically, they're keeping an ace up their sleeve to worry other teams. So they never know if Kira Walsh is potentially going to make her comeback. But just because it's not an ACL doesn't mean it's not a serious knee injury. Do you think the strategist from the Australia side and the Lionesses camp, are? do they come together and think, you know, even though significant players have serious injuries, let's tell everyone they're kind of okay and still put them on the bench just so it looks like they could come out at any point. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Kira Walsh on the bench. Ripping off her knee bandage, throwing it at somebody in the the dugout like Sam Kerr did. Slapping it in Katie Robinson's face, yeah. (laughs) Um, We'll see the same same facade, the same theatrical performances on the bench as we will uh, for the Australia game which would be hilarious but serious questions do we think who do we think is going to be dropping in to Kira Walsh's role do we think Laura Coombs is going to keep her spot or do we think like Nobs or Zellum is going to be occupying that space well Coombs came on and played higher and Georgia Stanway dropped back so I think yes. it might be Georgia Stanway potentially um, which is kind of a shame because it means you you lose Georgia Stanway doing what she does best so it could be her mm-hmm. it could be Zellum they could play a double pivot instead and have two players in there to cover for what Kira Walsh does. There's a lot of options. There's a lot of midfields in that team if they were going to do that. Um, the answer is I don't really know, but I think maybe Georgia Stanway. I think Zellum's going to drop in. I think just given her experience, I think they're going to need someone with that kind of maturity. She's obviously not going to offer the same level as what Kira Walsh can and obviously but I just think with her experience what she's achieved with Manchester United I think like she's been a resolute part of that squad she's kind of dipped in been dropped dipped in and I think Serena will want to use this game to kind of give players a chance like she can figure it out she can go on for 45 minutes I mean and see what happens but I just think I don't know you they have to they have to get points you can't put a player in for their first ever major tournament <laughs> in a position to to take up a role maybe she will but I just I can't see it as a it's to give her a chance. She either knows that Zellum can do the job or she'll put in a Georgia Stanway who's played in a major well, tournament think, before. Sh- yeah, but Zellum offers something different, doesn't she? Because she's a set-piece specialist. We don't. I don't think we sort of really have that in the England squad to the extent that I think Zellum could deliver that. I think that's kind of a unique facet that she has. But also, like, she just does have a very calm, cool, collected head. I mean, this is the same player who's just captain United to a second WSL finish and an FA Cup final for the first time in Champions League football. Like, the kid has credentials. So I'm saying Zellum's in. Here we go. Maybe we'll bet a shot on it. We should be in the same city at some point in the near future. We keep saying this and we never are. But I'm not okay. betting a shot. I'm not drinking shots. That ain't happening. What? Why? What do they have in Ireland? Like baby Guinnesses? What about that? I'm not drinking shots. Shot. You can just get me a glass of wine. All right, fine. What about a Guinness and Black? Do you drink that? I just drink Guinness. What do you put the black in for? Is that drink Guinness? Is that no, just, It's a bit sweeter, isn't it? It's like a bit. Um, yeah, it's either you love it or you hate. It. It's like pineapple on pizza. I love pineapple on pizza. People <gasps> think love I'm an idiot, pineapple on pizza. I agree with you on that. No, that's just, delicious. It, it just delivers something a bit different and fruity. So anyway, we digress Longer again. Now. Uh, right, again. score predictions, England, China, what are we saying? I'd like to think they'll get more goals um, than they have in other games. So maybe 3-0, <laughs> but part of me thinks every bloody game's been 1-0, so I'm going to be 1-0 again. 
Mm. What do you reckon? I'm going to say 1-0. I think we're going to absolutely scrape out of this game again. And we're going to look like <laughs> absolute champions because we'll have like nine points at the end of the group stage despite underperforming <laughs> severely for the entire start of the competition. Anyway, oh, thanks for listening to today's you... episode of Upfront. <laughs> <laughs> we're back on Wednesday with another beer and another glass of wine after England's final group game. Remember to subscribe in your podcast app and get in touch with your questions in the meantime on Twitter and Instagram. I am at Morgie underscore 89, Rach is at Girls in the Ball, and we are generally at Upfront underscore pod. You can also find us on YouTube at Upfront pod. See you very soon. Upfront is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.